Creative Arts Business, the show all about the business of working in the arts and entertainment industry in the San Fernando Valley. It's the show where you can't have the show without the business. I'm your host, Brian Metcalf. My guest host today is Dr. Frank Garvey. He's worked as an active performer in the fields of solo and collaborative music, as well as instrumental art song accompaniment and music theater. He has taught in both Ireland and California and is a coach accompanist accompanist, if I'm saying that correctly, at Pierce College here in Woodland Hills. Frank, thank you very much for being here today. Nice to be here today, Brian. So, when did you know you wanted to become a musician? Well, I was a musician by default from about the age of eight or nine. Uh, My dad was very musical. My whole family was musical, but uh, my dad especially. And I started on the violin at the age of eight, piano at nine, and probably within about a year, I realized piano was very important to me. And uh, sooner or later, I think probably in my teens, I realized I wanted to be part of my life. Yeah. But I did go away and study computers and psychology. I got a degree in computers actually before deciding to go into music. And I kind of did that to get it out of my system so that I would realize I never regret it afterwards. And uh, I, I realized as soon as I went back to study music, this was definitely for me. Wow. And such a unique accent. Uh, where are you from? Cork in Ireland. Amazing. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. <laughs> Great. And so who or what were your major influences in, in life? Um, you mean in musically speaking? Musically presume, speaking, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, the classical influence was huge because all my training was classical from an early age. Um, my dad uh, is a cellist and an organist, and he would always be playing string quartet music at home. So we would be playing chess after after school at home, and he would have um, the Trout Quintet on uh, in the background and he would be playing chamber music all the time. So that was a strong influence. But of course, um, my brothers and sisters, my old older siblings, they loved pop music. So, you know, some of my earliest memories are uh, Meatloaf singing Bad Out of Hell, for example. So there's an incredible mix of, uh, of influences there, I suppose. I, I got into jazz probably around the age of 20 thereabouts after a visit to Cologne in Germany. And uh, from then, it, then on, it's been an incredible mix. It's one of the reasons I love my current job, because I have students who sing Broadway, who sing opera, who sing legit jazz, who sing jazzy music. You know, there is everything under the ta- on everything possible uh, that I get to do in Pierce College. That's great. So if we were to steal your playlist on your phone or your iPod or, or something along those lines, what would we be seeing there that you're listening to right um, now? All of the above, really. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do a lot of listening just to sort of inform myself, uh, especially with the students that I work with. I mean, what are they listening to? What are they trying to get at? So, for example, if a student is doing a song by Rihanna, I typically wouldn't have sought out listening to Rihanna, but I'll listen to it if I, if I need to get <laughs> an insight into what's going on. But personally, my, my go-to music probably would be jazz. Great. Herbie Hancock, that kind of thing. So, so tell us about your musical training going backwards. Going backwards? Well, well um, I did my doctorate and master's um, in reverse order at UCLA. Uh, graduated in 06 there. Um, before that, I, um, this was in piano performance, of course doctorate and, and master's and prior to that I was studying in Hungary for two years um, I studied in a town called Ketchkemate outside of Budapest and uh, I was studying music pedagogy and folk music that kind of thing and uh, mostly piano performance emphasis ever since about 1993 thereabouts. And when you're saying you're studying what, can you explain what that means to us people who don't understand what that means in our listeners? You mean studying to play the piano? When you're studying this type of music and playing, tell us the rigorous process of what you had to go through. Well, for example, if you're doing your doctorate at UCLA, you have to, of course, do a certain number of performances. Um, One of those performances has to be what's called an entrepreneurial recital, where you go out and you create the audience, you advertise it, you um, create all the publicity around it, and then make it happen and make it a success. 
Now, in the background with all of that is, is an awful lot of collaboration and so on. But of course, you have to prepare for the actual recital yourself, which means at least a year, probably preparation, practicing, running, uh, giving dry runs of your performance and so on. And then, of course, at UCLA, um, there was a big emphasis on performance practice. So there's a lot of um, academia in the background sort of studying how people have performed pieces down through the centuries, making sure you're doing it in an informed way, using good sources and so on. And then there's a, a lot of um, just basic music theory background as well. You really need to understand music, how it works from the inside out and at a very high level, really to sort of be performing at, at the level that's expected. Wow. So it sounds like there is a lot more than just, say, doing the music, but marketing as well and trying to get your stuff out there. Yeah. How did you go about getting and bringing those audiences in? Well, um, a lot of traditional things like networking, just word of mouth and so on. I think when I did my entrepreneurial recital social media wasn't such a big thing at the time it was it was around 2004 thereabouts so that wasn't such a big um uh, element at the time but still networking um just a lot of person-to-person uh, -person contact you know just try to reach out through various um sort of networks and resources did you pass out flyers to people yes, on the streets absolutely. and <laughs> yep. passed them out um, hung them up and uh, made a lot of phone calls and email yes wow great and it did it work well yes it did great success yeah. Excellent. That's good news to hear. And then, so, uh, I assume your instrument of choice to play is piano. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Do you have any other instruments you'd like to play, or is piano the main thing? Piano's the main thing. I, I did learn the violin. Uh, I actually started the violin before the piano, and I, I studied it for about eight years, and again for another two years when I was in college. Um, I loved it, but it was never quite as rewarding as the piano. I also took up the guitar briefly, and I found that I was getting calluses on my fingers, and I, I sort of gave myself the excuse that that was going to limit my piano playing or the sensitivity of my piano playing. Um, I stopped doing that. But I love all the other instruments, of course, and they're all inspirational in their own way. Voice in particular, I think, is an absolutely incredible um, instrument to listen to and to sort of be part of. So I collaborate a lot with singers in particular. I have a concert coming up on April 26th in Pasadena. I'm doing a a song recital with a friend of mine, Dr. Christian Nova in Valley College, and uh, he's a baritone. We work together quite a lot. So this sort of collaboration between musicians absolutely sort of keeps me going. This is what I live for. And how do you guys collaborate? What, what exactly? Do you start off like playing a piano tune and then he jumps in or does he start off singing or yes. all of the above or what happens exactly? All of the above, except it's been written by a composer. So we're following his directions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's it. That's it. In, in essence, that is it. Half an hour. We're, we're doing a, piece, a song recital or a song cycle, which is a series of little songs all bound together by a common theme. So in this case, we're doing exactly what's on the page, but there's an awful lot of uh, room for interpretation, exploration of ideas, and sort of heightening of emotions that has to be synchronized between the pair of us. So it's a fascinating process. And and how long are you guys rehearsing? Like, when you're going through and practicing and rehearsing, how do you? what's the process for this exactly? Is it like meeting every day or once a week or...? It could be. It depends on the pressure and when you begin and when you hope to do your first performance. Now, I mean, I think looking back to the first time we did this particular song cycle, we probably were rehearsing twice a week for maybe about three months thereabouts before actually performing it. A lot of discussion, a lot of just playing with ideas and coming coming together gradually. That's ideal when you've got no pressure and it's an organic process. You can build it up slowly. Right now, we've done it many times before, so we kind of know what to expect of each other. So it won't take quite as long. Um, but we're, we're, I know that we're both practicing individually very hard to get our parts down because the vocal part is just as difficult as the piano part in this particular piece. And when you're saying practicing just as hard, how many hours worth would you say you're doing it a week? And how many, how, how many hours do you do it when you do get together? Um, well, considering I've learned this piece before and it is sort of refreshing it, at the moment I'm probably spending about four hours a week just 
getting it together, you know, dealing with the technical difficulties again, maybe a bit less than that. That's great. And so how did you get into working in this field? For example, you went from you, you went from doing the practicing on piano and now you're doing accompaniment and mm-hmm. you're uh, teaching at the school here and then you're doing your own performances. So it sounds like a combination of a bunch of everything. Yeah, really. So, yeah. so yeah. How, how did you get into working? What was your first big break getting into this field? Um, well, I've been, uh, let's say, since I graduated from UCLA, I, I've worked in the music music library in UCLA for quite a long time, and that was a fantastic job to have, but it wasn't giving me the freedom to actually go out there and perform. So the first chance I got to do some accompaniment, and I think it was in uh, Santa Monica College, actually, and then um, Biola University, and then finally I got the job offer at Pierce, which was a half-time job, uh, a half-time job at the time. And uh, that was that was a big break for me because that meant a definite commitment to being here and to really working solidly as part of the community and, and Pierce College. Um, and then um, this job became a full time job. And that, of course, is even more of a commitment. And I'm delighted to be doing it. It's, it's a thrilling job to have. And explain to us what you do at Pierce College here. Well, I teach a piano class um, in Pierce College. I also teach a piano class in Valley College. But my full time job is coach accompanist. So I primarily work one on one with students um, in rehearsal slots so the students will meet with me once or maybe twice a week and we go over their songs make sure everything's going well together they could be voice students they could be flute students clarinet students um saxophone students i've played with all of the above and many many more and we i prepare them uh, with me for the voice class and for the performance workshop class Wow. So what's it like when you get your first piece of music from a student? I mean, and and sometimes you don't get music from the student. They're saying, oh, can you do this song Mm -hmm. here or that? Can you describe some of that? Yeah, I try to warn the students not to do that. Uh, (laughs) But um, most of the time it goes very smoothly. Someone gives me a song, say, um, uh, the song from the the theme from the Titanic, for example, something like that, something I've ever played many times before. It's very straightforward. It's easy to understand. It comes together quickly. Sometimes something will be given to me that's a little bit more difficult. Someone wants to do Watermelon Man by Herbie Hancock and they have a certain idea about how it should be done. There's more collaboration, more involved. But generally speaking, people give me a good score of the music. I play it and it works. And very it, fast. And it's, uh, it, it must be, is it difficult that you, oh, you just have this new piece of music and you just have to start playing it right away or have you just sort of gotten used to that whole process? Yeah, I've or? gotten used to that. It does take getting used to it. You have to be a strong reader to do what I do. Um, so you have to be able to look at music and be able to play it accurately and with a good sense of style very quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's just part of the job. And, you know, for example, um, we're doing the musical Hairspray at the moment. It's being produced by um, a sort of collaboration between the different disciplines in the performing arts department. Um, a few shows going on in May. Um, but in preparation for that, there was a lot of learning to do that because that's a difficult piano score to play if you've never played it before. So that, you know, that, that kind of thing definitely takes more time and you have to dedicate a certain number of hours every week to learning new difficult music. But most of the time, the music that's given to me is relatively readable. Wow. Yeah. So it sounds like you're doing a lot of piano every single day regardless. Yes, absolutely. How, yeah. how many hours would you say you're doing on that for our listeners? Mm, it could be anywhere. I mean, my own private practice would probably be a bit less, but if you add up the actual piano hours played, probably about five hours a day, I'd say. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. And so you mentioned this hairspray. Mm-hmm. Um, Musical. What, what exactly explained? So they just gave you some notes and said, here's this, and did you w- listen to the movie or watch the movie yep. and listen to the music or I had never seen the movie so I went back to watch the the, the famous movie and uh, and I hadn't actually seen the musical either but I got to know it pretty well since then yeah that's part of it you have to do your background research understand the the sort of moods that are going into things and you actually do have to understand the storyline of these things to better support the students who are going to be singing the parts 
because otherwise you're kind of playing without any insight into what their character is supposed to be doing and it doesn't doesn't help you can play the notes that's fine but without that sort of insight into what's really going on it doesn't doesn't take on a true life of its own i think so when it comes to the actual play then you'll be doing it live for the audiences every single showing for there yeah actually the performance is, is being done by um the, the band led by dr wendy mazon up in the in the music department and uh, she's directing the the pierce college band up there and they're going to be accompanying it but i'm going to be a part of the band for two of those shows at least um, so I'll be playing piano in the pit with all the other musicians. And uh, for the other shows, Dr. Cassie, Cassandra Nichols will be playing the piano part. Wow. So have you ever goofed up in a major performance where you hit the wrong notes or never. something like that? Never. Never <laughs> happens. Yes, of course. It happens. It's part of being a musician. You have to you have to learn to live with that. You know, I think uh, as a performer, you you seek perfection in practice. Of course, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the best that we can possibly do. Uh, when it comes to the performance, if you're still seeking perfection, you're probably shooting yourself in the foot. You have to resign at a certain point and say, it is what it is. I'm going to enjoy myself, make music and hopefully move some people. Right. And what do you do if you do that goof up note? Do you like, does it, does, do you just, just keep playing on yes. and just forget about it? Yes. it did that Absolutely. take a while to get used to? I know when I was taking piano lessons mm-hmm. earlier and I, if I goofed up, I would be like, oh crap, at a recital. And... Yeah, it has to be learned. It has to be learned. You have to learn to let that go. That's very, very important <laughs> because otherwise you're just in a cycle where you're criticizing yourself and you're more likely to make more mistakes. You have to just let it go. Yeah. Wow. And how long did that take you to get over? Um, I think if you grow up in a sort of an environment where you're performing, performing regularly, entering competitions like I was, uh, it begins to become second nature in your teens, I would say. It's part of a maturing process as well. Some kids at a certain age won't have any anxiety about making mistakes and things, and then suddenly they'll develop anxiety around the age of 13. And if they learn to deal with it and they receive the appropriate encouragement and things, they'll often have it dealt with by the age of 16. So it, it depends a lot. Wow. It's really down to how many times you get up there and make yourself do it. And you mentioned earlier that you were pla- uh, practicing all the classical music mm-hmm. and everything from there, from all the masters, I'm assuming like Beethoven and Absolutely, Mozart yeah. and Bach yeah. and all of those great ones. Do you, do you have any favorites from, from any of the classicals? Bach is a personal favorite of mine. Yeah. Ever since the piano teacher introduced me properly to Bach, I, I think I was around 15 or 16 at the time. And uh, the beauty of his music just blew me away. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so tell us more about some of your live performance stuff. I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of performances that you're doing away from the school as well. Yeah, yeah. I try to do as much as I can outside of school, although I have to say within the school, there are so many opportunities to perform as well. We have a a faculty concert coming up um, that will be music faculty concert coming up in uh, May 11th, I believe. That's one of those Thursday concerts sponsored by the ASO here. And uh, it's a free concert on Thursday, May 11th. I think it begins at 12.45 p.m. You need to be there, but I'm taking part in that. I'm performing uh, a Brahms piece with uh, a violist and with Dr. Garina Avakian-Akus up in the music department and performing another piece, uh, I think it's an arrangement of La Campanella um, with Neil Brostoff and Faris Brewer. So a lot of collaboration between music faculty there. It's going to be a great concert. How do you find to do all these live performances and, and everything that you do? That You, you, you mentioned you were working with that other... Per- uh, person on yeah, the other Nova. stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. So how do you, how does it just, do they approach you? Do you just find the, the work and approach them? I mean, tell us how you go about doing all these different performances. Yeah, I mean, I want to be performing all the time. It's just, it, it has to be done because I, I love to do it. I think that if I, if I only taught music and only gave myself to other students, I probably would run dry somehow, inspirationally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I am performing, I get so much more from it. So I, I always like to do, I consider myself a pianist and a performer, or a, a teacher and a performer. 
without one, I, you know, I, I don't feel complete. So I need to teach as well. I love, I love teaching. I love guiding students towards being better musicians. But yeah, it's, it's just collaboration. I mean, I have friends. I know that they're good performers. I've worked with them in the past. I want to perform with them again. Um, so, for example, I performed with Dr. Yimei Hu over in Valley College again last year. We performed several times over the last few years, and that's kind of an ongoing collaboration we have as a piano duo. And then again with Dr. Nova, we performed many times before, and it's uh, it's just a really good, healthy sort of music musical collaboration. So let's take a step back again. Um, when working with students, then mm-hmm. what what techniques do you try? Let's say they just aren't getting it. Or whatever. How how do you try to get them to to work with you on accompaniment? Because it sounds like it's it's definitely a, a dance in a way that they yeah. have to do their part along with you, and you have to work together and get the tempos down and all that. What are the techniques that you try with? And and full disclosure, Brian, you've worked with me in the past in that very position um, <laughs> as a student, and we we worked as as coach and student in the past. Um, yeah, it is a dance. It's it's exactly like you said, and you really I find I need to just be receptive to where the student is at. There's such a wide variety of backgrounds um, in students here in terms of not just their ethnic backgrounds, their academic backgrounds and everything, but also their sheer ability. We have students coming in here who are transferring straight to UCLA, straight mm-hmm. to CSUN. We have students who are just coming in, want to enjoy music at this time in their lives. And it's, it's just something that I have to sort of be sensitive to where they're at. Some students will need help with coming in too early. I might, need, I might need to cue them a bit better on the piano. Some students might have rhythm problems. Some students might have pitch problems. So I sing for them. I get them to imitate and so on. So it's, it's really just knowing how to help the person at whatever level they're at. That's great. Yeah. So tell us about the setup you have at home. I, I imagine you having these multitude of pianos or something <laughs> set up. Or, I have some one, one real piano. Um, yeah, it's, it's a nice little baby grand Yamaha piano. And it's, um, it's the one that I do a lot of teaching on at home. But I also have an electric piano because I end up practicing a lot late at night or early in the morning, for example, and I don't want to be bothering my family. So so I practice on the electric piano quite a bit, too. But that's it. Yeah, just an electric and, and an acoustic. So you're teaching students at home as well? Then. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, tell us a little bit about this. Are you teaching piano or are you teaching accompaniment? What, what are you yeah. teaching? I teach piano. Yeah. Accompaniment is some is one of those things that you sort of learn after you've learned how to do the piano or you learn as you do the piano. But yeah, I teach a lot of students. I think my youngest is my little niece, Chloe. She's uh, five years old, a uh, very enthusiastic student. Yeah, <laughs> And then going all the way up. So I have adult students as well, but uh, mostly mostly kids. And they come to my house for, for lessons as well. That's great. So do you, how do you figure out the pricing on how much you're going to charge these students? Well, I'm not very good about it, unfortunately. I know that every teacher is supposed to keep up with inflation, and I haven't looked at inflation in about 10 years. So I'm probably behind the times. But I just consider what would I feel worthwhile being paid or what would I like to be paid for this? Yeah. And, and how do they find you, though? And by the way, that was a cop-out answer as to what are you paying? Oh, it was? I didn't <laughs> was realize that. Yeah. How do they find me? That's the next question, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's actually family connections mostly at, at this moment in time because I don't have a lot of spaces for students. So so typically it's you know on demand. I, I would try to help out. Obviously, I'm teaching my, my niece and nephew because they, they love it and I... I want to help my my sister and, and brother-in-law and so on but it's uh yeah I'm, I'm kind of full at the moment my schedule is really full with uh, with private students it sounds like yeah. it and it's and I understand you also been a music director at some churches in both the US and in Ireland yeah that's so right, yeah. how how was it doing that type of stuff and what was the difference between the United States and Ireland you know not an awful lot really um the, the longest job I had as music director was over here in Whittier between 2000 and 2006, I directed a church choir from the piano, actually. So I was both conductor and pianist. And what I found myself doing was really emulating my dad, who was the church director in the, the church that I grew up in, in Cargilline, in, in Cork, in Ireland. 
Um, so as a kid, I would go to church every Sunday, good Catholic boy, and uh, on Christmas services, we would all get together, have multiple rehearsals. I found myself very much imitating my dad. Um, not deliberately, but it just came naturally. I could see him in my mind's eye and I would sort of be doing what he would do to get the right sound out of the choir. So uh, not a lot of difference, really, no. So, okay, so go back here a second. So y- you were doing the composing and the condu- or the conducting and the playing of the piano. Right. Explain to us what you meant by the composing. Well, not composing, but the conducting. Or the conducting, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Otherwise known as directing the choir. So it's, it's you know, training the choir to sing in multiple different parts. So they're singing different melodies at the same time, getting it to sound good, getting a nice balance in the sound, making sure they're coming in at the right time, um, making sure that they can hear each other and that they're in pitch and rhythm and so on. And then playing the piano is just playing the piano. But of course, it's all one thing. It really is one thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, directing the choir from the piano was, uh, was an interesting process. I, I think I learned a lot by doing that. Did they give you uh, pieces that they said, here, we want you to play this for church, or did you just do it yourself, or you just kind of came up with the... Both. The... I'd very often get requests, you know, pieces that were particularly dear to um, to certain choir members, um, the Marines, him, for example, and uh, and then there, I mean, of course, I would have set, you know, themes based on what's the sermon in the church on that particular day, and I would try to coordinate with the priest on that. But um, yeah, it's it's a collaboration. And would you say it was a very classical type style or was it a very contemporary style? Or It was a nice mix. Nice it was a mix, mix yeah, of the yeah, two? I tried to make sure that there's a mix. And I, and I try to do that in general when I'm given the choice in playing any kind of music mm-hmm. where I'm playing for people. I try to make sure that there's a variety between contemporary and and, uh, and uh, classical, more traditional classical. It sounds like it's a good way to keep yourself relevant too yeah, is, is yeah. by combining everything. Yeah. Okay. I strongly and, believe that. And do you, how important is promotion for you? I mean, when you're promoting your shows and everything like that, I mean, do you use social media? What, what, what are ways that you're promoting yourself now? I know that you mentioned earlier, you, there wasn't, you know, social media at the time. So, yeah, um, I, I'm, unfortunately, I'm not the greatest example of a, a strong user of social media. I do use Facebook, of course. Um, but I, I think I, I tend to, um, uh, shy away from, showering everybody in my Facebook friends list with uh, with invitations to things just because I, I feel so deluged myself by the same thing. So I don't want to be contributing to that. But of course, yes, I do let people know. And I do try to, for example, I use the, the free promotion that I have as a teacher here. I'll tell people, you know, hey, students, I have a performance coming up. Please come along. So I'm not shy about that. That's but good. yeah, I, I do try a lot of in-person, in-person work. And of course, I have a lot of opportunity to speak to crowds or, you know, crowds of people in the classes that I work with. Yeah, that's great. That's the real reason why you teach here. Yes, you got it. You got me. <laughs> so, what advice would you give to aspiring musicians and and composers? And there is very little substitute for hard work, really. Um, learning how to play music as well as you possibly can. Um, a, a lot of the time, people I think get distracted by the idea of you've got to have your individual voice, you've got to have your passion. I think you've got to master your craft as well as you possibly can, and at the same time be like you're suggesting you know you've got to be sort of extroverted you've got to reach out you've got to sort of promote yourself to a certain to a certain extent it's that sort of um that uh, the, that sort of pair of ideas working in tandem mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and what advice would you give to yourself if you could go back 20 years and talk to yourself from 20 years ago uh, if that's any a good question <laughs> Um, hmm, stick with it. Yeah, <laughs> that's because every I think every musician has doubts along the way. You mm-hmm. think um, you're not going to make it. You think it's not going to be worthwhile. You think, why am I doing this? Or, or what's in it for me at the end of it? And that's kind of putting the cart before the horse. If you really love what you're doing and you're doing, you know, you're doing reasonably well. You're moving along with it. 
I think you should follow that. What are you going to do with that other education you got? I use it all the time. Really? Yeah, yeah. but, but it, it's, it's kind of the opposite of what a lot of people do. I study computers and, and psychology, but that's a hobby for me, you know. I mean, I use computers extensively in my performances. I use an iPad for all my performances. There's a lot of uh, background work involved in the visual processing of the images for, for what I do. So you're using a lot of software and yeah. all that type of stuff. What yeah. kind of software are you using? Uh, well, <laughs> Adobe, um, Acrobat, for example, it's a big one of mine. Um, Photoshop Elements, of course, and uh, Goodreader. It's a great tool for synchronizing things. And of course, cloud resources like Dropbox. So I think you have to be. You have to be sort of, you know, ex sort of at least um, familiar with these ideas. Are you using programs like Finale or, or yeah, Reason or, or Logic Pro or anything like Logic that? Logic Pro I use a fair bit as well, yeah. Um, Finale, less so now because I don't have so much need for mu music notation. But yeah, I grew up with Finale as opposed to Sibelius. And that's usually my go-to notation tool. So you're using this to create your own compositions? Do you, are you doing a lot of your own private compositions? That Not you really, create? no. No, I, I decided at some point that I was going to focus on the, the performance and the collaborative side of piano uh, rather than the actual origination and, and, and composition. So I don't use Finale quite as much as I use it. But when I need to have something yeah, perfect and written out there, I'll use Finale. Great, great. Well, Frank, thank you very much for your time My and pleasure. for sharing your career with us. Good luck on the music. You can find his music at frankgarvey.net. Since he doesn't promote himself, I'll do it for him. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> You've been listening to the Creative Arts Business. I'm Brian Metcalf for kpcradio.com.